Thanks for tuning in. Joining me from Venice Energy to talk about the pre-IPO convertible note raising is Managing Director Kim Winter-Dewhurst. Kim, nice to meet you. And you, Melissa. Firstly, can you give us an overview of the company, including some colour around the team? Sure. I mean, the company was started back in the middle of 2017, and our mission at that time was to examine the concept of whether we could develop a gas option for South Australia primarily. Over time, that has morphed into the development of a first stage project, which is the LNG import terminal. It would be based at the Outer Harbour in Port Adelaide and would be plugged into the state's gas network. And it would also have the opportunity to plug into the Seagas pipeline, which is a 680 kilometre pipeline that currently connects the Iona underground storage in Victoria through to Adelaide. But our plan is to make the pipeline bi-directional so that we can grow our business by putting more gas into Victoria, which is the largest gas consuming uh, state in Australia. Um, we have a team of, of great people behind us. I've got partnerships with Arcadis, a very large Dutch infrastructure firm that has been associated with LNG energy and a lot of marine projects around the world over the years. And they've been with us from the very beginning. I also have a, an agreement with Gaslog, which is the ship provider for the floating storage and regasification unit, the thing that we call the FSRU. And I also have agreements and supports from great companies like Ashurst, one of the world's great legal companies. And then of course, I've got a, a leadership team, which is an integrated team made up of a series of industry professionals with skills and expertise in these areas. Can you talk us through how the LNG import facility will be powered? Well, this will be the world's first LNG import terminal to be run and operated entirely from renewable energy. In doing that, we prevent 500,000 tonnes of CO2 over the first 10 years of operation from going into the atmosphere. So that's a good news story from our point of view. And we can do that here in South Australia better than anywhere else because the state already has 65% of its energy requirements provided by renewable energy. But at the same time, we can send our gas from this uh, carbon neutral uh, facility down the pipeline to Victoria and that will help them remove up to 30 million tonnes of carbon generated by coal over that 10-year period as well. So all in all, we think we've got a role to play in helping this country transition further uh, down the renewable energy chain. So we're part of the future. We're not anchored in the past. What prompted you to look at this project? Well, back in 2016, September 2016, South Australia underwent a statewide blackout. Uh, it's the first time any state in Australia has been blacked out. At the time of the blackout, I happened to be the chief executive for the department of the Premier and Cabinet in South Australia. So a lot of the responsibility to finding what, what was going on and what the solutions were fell to me and others in my agency as, as well as the energy agencies and Treasury. Um, when I chose to leave government in early 2017, I really wanted to look at the possibility of trying to find a viable long-term solution for South Australia to ensure that that could never happen again. And I joined a company in Melbourne as an equity partner. We were all resources and energy-based people. I mean, I'm ex-BHP. And um, we started to look at this project. And of course, it's morphed into what it is today and approved one of only two approved projects in Australia. Thanks, Kim. 
Before we talk about the business in detail, what's the appetite for liquefied natural gas at the moment in Australia? Well, the, the appetite is quite high. The reason we say that is because there are a number of projects like this being uh, investigated up and down the southeast coast of Australia. And given where the, all of the forecasts indicate the production of domestic gas is going over the next two to three years, which will see a significant decline, uh, Australia will need additional gas. So by having LNG import terminals, at least two of them in the country, different parts of the country, it will open up Australia to the international gas market. And the good news there is there's uh, plenty of LNG to be had. Okay, so let's talk about the approval in place. So we've managed to get our approvals in December uh, last year. Uh, it took us 12 months to provide the work, undertake the studies, do the modelling, um, have the, the science independently verified and have that fully reviewed by the various government agencies. Fortunately for us, the Energy Minister in South Australia um, sponsored our project as a Crown-sponsored project. It was also de the declared a essential state infrastructure, which is also important. So that was all good for us. And as a consequence, we've got all of our approvals in place and now we're looking forward to delivering the project in uh, beginning in, later in 2022. Let's talk about the location. What makes Outer Harbour an ideal location for a development like this? Well, you need, you need water access because you have to bring ships in to supply the LNG. In South Australia, the largest uh, operating port is the Port of Adelaide. And it is a channel that comes in from the Gulf and that's called the Outer Harbour and it turns around on itself to an area called the Inner Harbour. And it's on a peninsula effectively. And that peninsula is an industrialised peninsula. It has the working port, it has grain terminals, it has power stations, transmission lines, pipelines, a whole series of other uh, industrial infrastructure. And for us, it was the opportunity to acquire the last two remaining undeveloped berths in the outer harbour. So that's the deepest part of the channel. And that's referred to as berths nine and 10. On our eastern boundary is the Pelican Point power station. On our western boundary is the working port, the uh, with the grain terminal and the container port. So the beauty of having it there is that it's already zoned for wharf development. So we didn't have to create something. It's already there and allowed to uh, occur. The activities for that area are marine related activities. So we bring ships in and we supply goods across the port. All of these things made it very simple. But the most important thing is that from our FSRU, to a connection to all of the gas networks that we need, both for South Australia and Victoria, that is just 650 metres away. And about 500 metres of that is on our own land, whereas every other development around the country has anything from about 12 to 50 kilometres of pipeline they have to put through, often quite sensitive areas or built up areas. So they face particular challenges. We don't have any of those challenges. We're on reclaimed land. Native title was extinguished more than 22 years ago. So all of those sorts of barriers that everybody has to get through, they just simply don't exist at this site. So in many respects, certainly I believe that the site we have is the best site for this type of uh, development anywhere in Australia. So let's talk about the floating storage regasification unit, so the FSRU. How does it actually work? Well, you bring um, gas in on an, what they refer to as an LNGC carrier, um, and uh, it, it pulls up 
at one birth, the, the, permanently, the permanently moored FSRU sits behind it. Gas is transferred from the, the carrier via a set of loading arms to a special cryogenic underground pipeline that runs between the two vessels. So distance of, you know, four, four or 500 metres. And then it comes up the other side and another set of loading arms places the gas into the FSRU storage. And there it is maintained at minus 161 degrees C. So when you do that, you can, you can take gas and you can turn it to liquid and it compresses at a ratio of 600 to one. So it makes it much easier for transport and storage. Then there's another outtake pipe that will travel through to the state's uh, gas network, which I'd already mentioned is about 650 metres long. So at the point that you want to transfer gas into the state's gas network, you actually heat the gas, you reheat it, and it goes from liquid back into gas and you transport it through. So it's a very simple uh, technology. It's been around for many, many years uh, without incidents. Uh, you know, it's often said that if you want to gauge this relative safety of it, people think of gas in certain situations as being highly combustible, and it can be. But in its liquefied form, you can step into the tank and turn on a blowtorch and it wouldn't ignite. So it's a very safe storage medium, and that's why it's uh, used so widely around the world. How much gas is the project capable of producing each year, and where will it go? Well, the FSIU is 146,600 cubic metres, and it will need to be topped up by delivery about every two, three, four weeks. It only takes 36 hours to transfer a load of gas. And then across the course of a year, it's capable of, of pumping out about 140 to 150 petajoules of gas, so it's quite a large volume. But we currently, under our state approvals, we're approved to 110. So we've got more than enough capacity. And the gas would be taken off the FSRU, regasified, put into the gas networks, sent through to domestic and, and industrial customers in South Australia and down the sea gas pipeline to various offtake points along the way, but ultimately ending in significant storage in the Iona underground storage facility um, west of Melbourne. Thanks, Kim. Can you give us some colour as to who your customers are going to be? Well, all of the customers or the would-be customers that we're currently negotiating with, we're all signed to um, non-disclosure agreements, of course, so I, I can't actually name them. But what I would say is it, it will be a diversified range of customers. Now, you know, we talk from, to everyone from the big gen tailors through to industrial users, through to um, refinery users, organisations like that. So we're, we're currently well uh, down the path on those negotiations and we have an expectation that we will uh, lock in some binding agreements over the, over the next few months. And do you have a completion date for the project? Yes. We believe that if everything goes well over the next few months, we would begin construction of the project in about the third quarter of this calendar year and we would be able to be ready to take first gas in the first half of 2024. Let's talk about the business. Can you tell me more sure. about the financials? Well, it's a pretty simple sort of structure that we, we put together. We, we regard it as a, 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 a commercial model that's both simple, it's scalable, and it's de-risked. 
So the majority of the revenue, which is about 90%, is what we uh, term as risk-free because it's under a tolling arrangement. So the facility will work as a tolling arrangement. The customers that sign on will sign on with the guaranteed volumes each, each month across each year of the term of the contracts. The contracts are fixed over five, seven or 10 years and the fees are fixed over that period of time. So you know exactly what you're getting. So they are responsible for sourcing their own LNG. So we as the operator of the infrastructure, we don't take any of that risk. We don't take the price risk. We don't take the LNG supply risk. The customers themselves will do that and they're doing that because they've asked that, that to do it that way. They have, many of them have very large in-house trading arms and they want to use them to, and they can better reflect the profile of their company's needs. And all they have to do is supply us with a month-by-month breakdown of what they need and we make sure there's enough gas there in the facility to ensure that all of those needs can be met. So it's, it's quite straightforward. One of the... One of the real benefits of this uh, arrangement also is that about 45% of the revenue under that model is paid for in advance. So it's a very low risk environment for us, um, I guess. And I, I, I don't think I've previously mentioned that we're also looking at a project that will require around about $250 million to implement the project, build, construct, commission and operate that project. Um, and that'll be funded uh, through a, a debt-to-equity uh, combination of about 70 30%. Um, so around about $175 million of that will be in debt, and about $75 million in equity. So now to the current offer. How much are you looking to raise and where will the funds go? Well, Melissa, we're looking to raise $6 million. It will be via a converting note, which will carry a 15% discount and a 12% coupon. The aim of that money, that raise, is so that we can complete the final amount of work that we need to do before we move to an IPO. And the pathway from the IPO, of course, is afterwards to then release a prospectus to the market. When that closes, we would list on the stock exchange. By listing there, we raise our equity and we use a, a consortium of banks to raise the debt. So what are the risks? We do risk analysis. We have a risk matrix. We have a mitigating and management strategies in place to cover all of the things that we believe are the potential risks. But we think that this is a largely de-risk project. It's quite straightforward. None of the technologies involved here are radical. Nothing is new. Everything is off the shelf. Everything's been done in multiple locations around the world. So the you know it, all the risks are known, and we plan accordingly. We work with WorkSafe SA, we work with Marine and Harbours, we work with the Australian Marine um, security guys. So there's, there's plans for everything in place to deal with these sorts of things. So from our point of view, very little in the way of risk that we can see at this stage. It was always harder before you get a project approvals, but now we have all the ministerial and crown approvals in place. So it makes the pathway forward a much smoother journey for all of us. And Kim, when do you expect to IPO? Well, Melissa, we're looking towards September this year, so it's not too far away from where we are now, uh, and that'll be an exciting moment for us, and uh, we'll lead at the same time to us uh, um, breaking ground at the site down there at the Outer Harbour in Port Adelaide, so all very exciting. Kim, it was great speaking with you. Good luck with the offer. Thanks very much, Melissa.